All right, so we're in the week of March, or the month of March, first week, which means first Sunday, there's one heart, Elliston. So we've got Pastor Kylie and a team there, so that's awesome and great, and I'm loving seeing the development of that church. And we've we got to really, as a church, believe for a building there. So can I encourage you in your weekly prayer times, pray for a building there. We need a breakthrough that we can see uh, a real awesome touch and powerful church growing in Elliston. Secondly, Pastor Rob and Pauline, they are in Wyala this week. Um, for those that don't know, Pastor Rob, in, so we as a church are in the ACC, the Australian Christian Churches. And so with that, Pastor Rob has a role of vice president and also he's our regional leader. So from basically Wyala towards Western Australia down is our, his region that he has to look after. And so um, with that, he has to look at getting new pastors for churches. And so in Wyala this week, it's their pastors last Sunday. So we've got to be praying for Pastor Rob that he can find the right people for the right spot so we can see that church flourish and grow. So that's where Pastor Rob is this week. But um, this week, being March, Pastor Rob has um, uh, put a, we know for the year this year, it's supernatural. And for the, we're looking this month at a theme in that called Supernatural Warfare. So that's what the title of this morning's message is, is Supernatural Warfare. Who's got a Bible? Grab your Bible and go to the book of John. We're going to look at chapter 10. So we're going to go to the book of John, chapter 10, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 10. I'll give you a second, and I'll read it. So John, chapter 10, 1 to 10. Here we go. So the good shepherd and his sheep. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your moving in worship. We thank you that you can touch us, change us, mold us. We thank you for the things that we were declaring this morning, that we are a child of God. We are who you say we are. And we just believe that through this, this Bible that we read today, God, speak to us, help us leave this place better, with a better perspective, with a mind shift, and to ultimately be able to be equipped for supernatural warfare. And we all said... Amen. So John 10.10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose being Jesus is to give them a rich and satisfying life. You may have heard it from the NIV translation. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Or in the ESV, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. One of my favorites is in the Amplified, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life. Can someone say enjoy life? I love that. Enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. So this is supernatural warfare. That Bible verse gives us the battlegrounds. There's a thief, there's a robber, there's the enemy, Satan, devil, whatever we want to call him. 
And then there's Jesus. The enemy wants to steal in our life. He wants to kill in our life and he wants to destroy our life. But Jesus is on the opposite side of the supernatural battle that goes, I want you to have the best life and I want you to enjoy life. And so we've got to believe that. And so um, the enemy wants to kill your relationships, destroy your family, friendships. He wants to wreck marriages. He wants to wreck the church. He wants to steal your praise. He wants to steal your worship. Anything godly, holy, pure, righteous, anything that's of God, the enemy wants that gone. And so there's a target set on you because of that. But on the other hand, there's Jesus, and he wants us to have the best life. He wants us to enjoy life. So he wants you to have the best marriage, not just have a good marriage. He wants you to enjoy your marriage. He wants you to have the best family. He wants you to have the best workplace. Everything in life, Jesus wants the best for you and in, in all of it. So supernatural warfare, there is a battle between the devil trying to wreck your life, but Jesus gives us the best life. New Year's resolutions. Who knows what one of them is? I don't know if you've made them. I personally aren't a big fan of New Year's resolutions. I don't really make them. But I do have this thing in my bedroom called a prayer board. And so every month or so, I'll sort of overview my life and change my prayer board. Who's seen the movie War Room? Where's the real Christians out watching Christian movies? In that movie, obviously, we said there's like a lady gets her, her clothes area and turns it into like a prayer, prayer point place. So for me, I'm not really warring, but I've got this prayer board. It's like a whiteboard with my prayers on it. And so on there, I have heaps of things like what, what I want my wife to be, what I want me to be as a husband, what I want to be better as a son, as a brother, as a work person. All these things I have, that's what I, my, my prayers are for. But on there, I have a really good one about my speech. And so this, this uh, say, I'll, I'll get the exact wording here for you. Sayings and speech structures. So there's some sayings I want out of my vocabulary. And there's some speech structures I want out of my vocabulary. One of the speech um, structures I have is I always will start my sentences with so. You'll probably notice it today. I'll always start so. When I'm writing essays, you'll go through it and be like, so, so. And I'm like, I've got to get rid of so out of my vocabulary. So that's on the prayer board. God, help me say anything but so to start a sentence. Um, but, one of, but then there's a saying in particular that I've noticed this year in particular, and I want that. Gone out of my vocabulary. So for those that don't know, so obviously I'm the youth pastor here, but what I do at church is completely voluntary. So why I do this? Because I want to, and I do it because I get to. I don't get paid for it. So since I don't get paid, I need a job, and I work at a local upholstery place. And so I'll, I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a bit of a story for us so we can understand where my, this terminology comes from. So who knows, you, in a job, you've got to have customer service. And so the best customer service starts with a good greeting, Right? So let's just say, we'll, we'll, we'll pick on my victim here, Kyle. I meant volunteer. So Kyle, he come, might come into work and be like, needs some jobs. So you're like, oh, g'day, Kyle, you need something to stitch up? I got you covered. Not, not really. So, so Kyle might come into work and be like, hey, and so you'll, you'll start the greeting and be like, g'day, Kyle, how are you? Good. And he might ask a question back, how am I? This is where, and this is what my response was, not too bad. And I was just like, boom, as soon as that came out of my mouth, I was like, what did I just say? Not too bad. It was like, it's, what a dumb saying, what a terrible saying. I don't think I could say anything more stupid. Not too bad, right? And so this conviction started swirling through my mind of going, what, what am I on about? Not too bad. Like, it's just it's so silly. And so the, the thing that went through my mind is, since when do I measure my life on the bad scale? Since when has that become the measurement of how good my life is, the badness? Oh, yeah, not too bad. Um, 
so I've, I, I went to um, I went to the privilege of making up a scale for us. Who's seen that? The pain scale or the chart? So I've converted it for us. So I made here the not too bad scale. So we sort of start in the middle. So you got bad. We go worse. So very bad. Oh, how's your day? Extremely bad. Oh, how's your day? Oh, ex- catastrophically bad. Or we go the opposite direction. We got not too bad or not too bad at all. But for me, I got this conviction hit me going, why? I don't talk like that, but when my life's good, why do I use the bad scale to measure my life? My life's not bad. I, I align myself with Jesus, the rich and satisfying life, the enjoyment of life. I don't line up with the, the devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy because I, I don't want to live on the bad scale. So with that, um, with this thing, that's, that chart's a bit of a joke and I hope it helps you. But sometimes life is not easy and the thief does come. But I need to change my confession. Things may not be the best, but I've got to change what my tongue says. John, as we said, John 10.10, 10, my life's not bad, it's good. The enemy may come, but Jesus is greater. And so this is my conviction and you can say and speak how you want. If you don't think not, saying not too bad is all right, you, you say that. But for me, it's got to go. It's out my vocabulary. And so we can justify it. Everyone says it. Romans 12.2 will be on the screen here. And it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, if God's got a will for my life, which is good, pleasing and perfect, that sounds like a good life. And so I've got to renew my thinking and change and go, you know what? No, my life's not too bad. My life is good. Jesus has a will for my life, and I want to be in uh, link with that. Oh, so everyone else does it. Everyone else says it. Yeah, but it's time for me to transform my mind and renew it. Another example, Psalms 107 verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. John 10, 10, yes, the devil comes, but Jesus makes my life good and Jesus has redeemed me. And so if I have been redeemed by Jesus, nothing bad in this world can be bad compared to that. If I have it, my eternity is right for heaven. When I die, whatever happens, yes, it might be hard and it might be painful, but the joy of the Lord for my redemption should be more, and I should say so. My tongue should release the fact that I've been redeemed, and that's the best thing that could ever happen to me. So if I truly value my good uh, redemption, I will say so. And so to close this element, I'm all for memory verses. I think the more scripture you can know, the better. But I just don't want to be a person that remembers memory verses. I want to be a person that has application verses and that thing's a reflection of my life. That when someone sees me, they go, oh, he's living that, not just he knows it in my head. The best example I can think of, um, John 14.2, it says this. I'm going to create an exam for you. Oh, wait, it doesn't say that. It says Jesus is going to go prepare a place for you. And so with, with that, when I meet the Father in heaven, he's not going to say, great job, Josh. You knew Romans 12.2 and Psalms 107.2. He's going to say, oh, yeah, that's fine. You knew it, but you didn't live it. No, when I see the Father in heaven, he's going to say, you knew that. Why didn't you live that? Because Jesus is going to prepare a place, not an exam. So it's not about how much Bible we can know. So when we get to heaven, we sit the exam. No, there's a place for us, but it's a matter of fact of, did we listen and obey to what we were taught? So I'm all for memory verses, but let's go a step further, make an application verse and live it, right? All right, so I have no excuse but to measure my life on the good scale. And then another thing on my prayer board, similar to this, and I love it we sang that song Joy this morning about like it gives us a reason to smile and stuff. One thing on my prayer board is smiling more. I just notice I'll be always like grumpy face. I'm like, 
what? I see photos, I'm like, why are you so grumpy? And even people have been bold enough to tell me, Josh, you've got to smile more. But so, and there's, I've got scriptural references t- to be able to smile and that. But with that, uh, you may, we may remember Sam Long. He's our state youth alive director, and he's come here and preached a few times. But he has his statement, I've heard him preach it a few times, that if you're happy and you know it, tell your face. And so, like, and for me, I just go, you know what, Josh? Life is good. It's not bad. I've got to tell my face. So I don't know what's going on, but you know what, Josh? Hey, you might be tired, but you've got to tell your face that life's good and smile a bit. Stop sucking the lemons. Chuck them away. The saddest thing is I don't even need a lemon to look grumpy. I've got to change that. Um, but you know what? To finish that off, if I want to... the Life is good. I want to reflect that with my speech and my body language. And so it's time to remove the bad scale from my life. And I alone have to do that. And so that's what I want to do. But supernatural warfare. So we want to look into that a little bit more. And so there's probably two major famous scriptures as church. If we've been here any length of time, we would know. The first one is in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 4. And it says it like this. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Supernatural warfare. Continuing. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. And the next most famous scripture is in Ephesians chapter 6, 10 to 18. That's the armor of God, which is talking us about the way we can equip ourselves for spiritual warfare. And uh, we're going to have four points on uh, supernatural weapons, I guess you could say, that we can apply to our life through reading this. So we cool? So if you go to the book of Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read verses um, 10 to 18, but we're going to split it here and there to, de- to cut it or to make sense of it. So Ephesians 6, chapter 10, Paul says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Now, at the start of each year as a church, we do a, a corporate thing of fasting. And, and I think it's awesome and powerful. But, and with that, sometimes we would recommend people to do the Daniel fast. Now, a show of hands if anyone's heard of what the Daniel fast is. For those that are un, unaware, uh, Daniel, uh, in, the book of the, in the book of Daniel, this guy, he's fasting for, with no meat or wine or anything. He's just eating veggies. It's like the worst of like vegan life. Like, I don't, can't think of anything worse. But... He's fasting this food. And then in verse um, 12 to 13, it says this. So it says, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. So this is pretty weird stuff. But we read the story in Ephesians about the spiritual realm and darkness and evilness. Daniel's fasting saw a breakthrough of that realm in that land that he was living in in Persia. And so whether it's 21 days or 41 days or 100 days, sometimes these things don't get broken through until we commit to fasting. A good example is before Jesus started his public ministry in Matthew 4.2, he talks about he, he fasted for 40 days. So I'm not sure what breakthrough Jesus was going through, but obviously to be the son of man and to, to die on the cross, there was things that he had to break through in the spiritual realm that took 40 days to see that breakthrough. Um, another one for fasting as well is Jesus, there's a story in uh, Mark, 
chapter 9, and Jesus' disciples try to cast out this demon and it didn't work. And so they come to Jesus and go, Jesus, it didn't work. This demon's still in this person. So then in uh, 9, 29 says, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So Jesus casts it out and says to him, this demon can only come out by prayer and fasting because there's something, when we deny our flesh and go, we're going to commit to fasting and drawing closer to God, we have a breakthrough in the supernatural realm where those things must flee and must go. But it doesn't just happen. So our first key, our first point for supernatural breakthrough in, in warfare is fasting. So you want to see a breakthrough shift in your supernatural warfare? Commit to fasting. And it's not a quick result. Daniel's doing it for 21 days. If there's a real thing in your life, it may take a 21-day fast. It may take a Jesus 40-day fast, but we'll see the shift and the breakthrough when we commit to it. Back to Ephesians. So now we're going to read from verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be... Uh, standing firm, stand your ground, put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the, uh, the good news so that you'll be tr- uh, fully prepared. In addition to all of these, uh, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So number two, the word of God, the Bible, is a weapon of supernatural warfare. This book is our sword, and we've got to know it, live with it every day, because this helps us to have a breakthrough. We're going to take a step back and go over some stuff. 2 Peter 3, 9 says this, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, so about his return. We believe Jesus is coming back soon. As some people think, no, he's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone destroyed, but everyone to repent. So as a church, every day we get, we need to live on mission. I'm not sure if you've heard of the old school saying, uh, we've got to plunder hell to populate heaven. As a church, we've got to wake up and go, we are here every day we get. Jesus is being patient so we can see our family saved, so we can see our friends saved, so we can see our school saved. And we've got to plunder hell and populate heaven. But Satan knows that verse and he lives just as intentionally and goes, every day we're not actively seeking people getting saved he wants to see their life destroyed he wants to see them stolen he wants to see them killed because that's what he's on mission for and so uh we got to as a church we got to wake up and go god break our hearts for the people give us a heart for salvation because we don't want to see the enemy wiping people out we want to see them coming to a real relationship with you so then in society I know when I was at school we would do a lot of assignments about things called ethical issues and as a Christian if we knew the word of God, realistically, none of them are ethical because we know this is what the correct thing is and that, that argument is invalid. It's not an ethical issue. And so with the sword of the spirit, we go, that is not an issue. We cut that thing down because this is what the truth is and we live by the truth. And, we, and so one thing in society, and we're seeing a lot of scary stuff happening in America in the thing of abortion, and I don't want to... Uh, I don't know everyone's story here, and I don't bring shame or condemnation. But the truth, this is what the Bible says, the sword of the Spirit, Psalms 127.3, children are a gift from the Lord, they are a reward from Him. That's what the Bible says, that's what I agree with. Children are a gift and are a reward. And what does the thief come in John 10.10 to steal, kill, and destroy? He doesn't want children to have life. He wants to just kill them, destroy them, 
wreck them before they're even born because that's the principalities of this world. And we, it's not a new thing. Abortion is not a new thing. We saw with Moses, we see with Jesus, there was the same spirit trying to wipe out all children then because it's a demonic thing that says, you know what, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But we go, no, children have value. Children have a right. And so that's why we believe that. And so we've got to hold that sword of the spirit and say, no, devil, back off. That's not the truth. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy your marriage. Proverbs 18.22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. And so, of course, the devil doesn't want you favored if you're a man. Of course, he doesn't want you having a good thing. He wants to kill it, destroy it, and wreck it. And so we've got to go, no, God, we hold on to the Bible and say, devil, back off. That's not what the word says. He wants to wreck your family. He wants to wreck all these things and kill it. But then we've got to declare the word of God. So for whatever attack you're going through, um, you're going to say, that's awkward, devil. Isaiah 54.7, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And so, devil, that weapon that you want to kill my kids, that weapon that you have set up to, to destroy my workplace, you're going to say, back off, because no weapon formed against me will prosper. Your, your spiritual thing, devil, has been broken down. It's been annihilated. It's been disabled. Back to Ephesians. Uh, now, verses 18. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. I love that bit. Pray in the Spirit at all times. And so our heavenly language, speaking in tongues, is a weapon of supernatural warfare. And you've got to believe that. Um, if the music team can come back up, they can. On, in the book of Acts 2, we know the day of Pentecost. And so it says that all the believers are meeting together. And the, they were filled with the Spirit and spoke in tongues. And so I said at the start, but we as One Heart Church are a part of a movement called the ACC, formerly the AOG, which is categorized as Pentecostal, meaning we believe if it happened then, it can happen today. And so one thing, one conviction I have is that if the fire of the Holy Spirit came upon people's heads then, I believe I can see the fire on my head today. I haven't seen it yet, but I believe I can see it. Um, 1 Corinthians 14.4, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. That's why we speak in tongues, because there's so many things we're talking about before the bad scale of life. We can have these issues and worries and fears, whatever, but when we speak in tongues, a boldness rises up. We go, no, I'm strengthened. I can take this. Devil, get out of my head. Devil, get out of my heart. Devil, get out of my motives. You don't belong here. And all happens when we stir that gift up. Jude 120, build each other up in your most holy faith, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, we've got to get into environments where we let that thing rip. We've got to build ourselves up so we know I'm going to be strengthened, I'm going to be built up because I'm going to see these things broken off me. And so our heavenly language, tongues, it's not uh, salvation, but it's like fasting. Fasting doesn't make you a Christian, but it's a supernatural weapon. And it's a gift for all, not some. So Luke 11, 13, so this is our third point, I love him to say that. But if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give this Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And if you read the previous verse, it talks about knock, 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 ask, 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 seek, 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 and you will find, and the door will be opened. And so when it comes to that, if you haven't had the infilling of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues we're going to shortly allow an opportunity we come down the front we're going to pray and believe that you can receive that gift today but as i support it is it is a gift for all not for some and 
Jesus wants to give it to you. And you know what? It doesn't necessarily have to happen here. You could be in your kitchen. You could be in your bedroom. You could be wherever. But as it says there in uh, Luke 11, where if you seek, you will find him. But you've got to keep knocking, keep persisting, because he will give you the gift. And for me, if fasting works, I want to do it. If, if, if I can see a breakthrough through fasting, I want to fast. If I can be built up with speaking in tongues, I want that. I don't want to just go, oh, well, I'm saved. I don't need it. No, if God's got, given me a gift, when my parents, when it's, my, when it's time for Christmas and it's time for my birthday, I don't want to rob my parents of a blessing. I'm going to receive that gift. If God has a better gift for me, the Holy Spirit, I've got the same mindset. I don't want to rob God of a blessing. I want to receive it and take a hold of everything He has for me. So that's what, my, that's what I believe. All right. The best one, point four, the last one, tithing is a weapon of supernatural warfare. Now, what does Jesus say about it? He was clear, Matthew 23, 23. That's an easy one to remember. Matthew 23, 23, if you want a Bible verse, you should tithe. He says that, you should tithe. If we were to look at Malachi chapter three, uh, there's this talk about uh people not giving their tithe, their 10% and offerings to the house of God. And so then, uh, and so, and God's asking why, and Malachi's asking, why do you rob God of tithes and offerings? Bring the tithe to God and He will bless you. And so Malachi 3.11 says this, when you tithe, I will rebuke the devourer for you devourer for your sakes so when we tithe we're saying back off devil when we tithe we're saying devil you don't belong in my life every time you put that that offering in whether you're thinking it or not you're putting a statement to the devil saying devil my life is not yours devil my finances are not yours devil my my household does not belong to you so you want if you need the devil rebuked in your life maybe think about tithing think about offering because there's a promise there God will rebuke the devourer. So we've got to go, God, we're going to tithe because that's a weapon of supernatural warfare. So going over them, number one, fasting is a weapon of supernatural warfare. Uh, what was number two? Was it speaking? No, it was number three. Number two was the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. That is our second weapon of warfare. Number three, your heavenly language, speaking in tongues. And number four, tithing. So I, I encourage you, if you can apply those things to your life, you'll see things broken in the supernatural to see you live the best life you can but what we're going to do right now um, if you may be in a position where you say you know what Josh I do not yet have a relationship with Jesus I've seen deception hurt brokenness and I've seen the enemy the thief the robber trying to steal and kill and destroy my life but you know what I want to move out of the bad scale I want to shift into the good scale the scale that Jesus has for me that to enjoy life is if you've never made a decision to make Jesus the Lord the Savior of your life would you just raise up your hand I just want to pray with you we're going to believe that God can do something powerful